Our gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 20. Hear now the word of God. Jesus is speaking, and he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These words that Jesus speaks here come from a a larger portion of scripture found only in Matthew's gospel that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, we see encapsulated some of the most important aspects of Jesus' moral teaching. And so I always like to lift that and commend it to people. If you have somebody that you are trying to steer in the right way to reading the Bible, or maybe somebody, you might be somebody's DRP. That's the designated religious person. If you are that for somebody and somebody wants to to learn what does Jesus really say about how I live my life and what I should do? This is a, These verses, these chapters, it's Matthew 5 through 7, is an excellent place to steer them. And so these words come toward the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking not just to his closest disciples or his outer ring of disciples, but maybe to thousands. The place above the city of, well, the town of Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee where uh, biblical archaeologists believe that the sermon took place sort of forms a natural amphitheater so that if Jesus were toward the top, his voice would be projected outward to maybe thousands who were listening. I say that to say he's not just talking to 12 or 20 or 100 He's talking to anybody who will listen. And by extension, he's talking to we who listen today through the pages of Scripture. And he says, you are salt. You are light. Let's think for a minute about salt. Some foods have the potential for flavor, but need just a little bit of salt to bring them out. Think about grits. Have y'all ever had grits that don't have enough salt in them? Have you ever had a bowl of grits that you can't seem to get enough salt into? If you don't eat grits, maybe you haven't been putting enough salt in them. Try them again. But grits need salt, or they just don't taste right. 
Not some years ago, Ellen and I were driving back from Asheville. And we, we were living in Spartanburg at the time, so it wasn't far. But we stopped in, in Hendersonville, North Carolina, on the way home. And we stopped at a, a restaurant that I won't name because I don't want to get... Because this one's going out over the radio. Maybe I'll name it at 11.15. But I will say it is a chain place. And uh, as we sat down to order, it was breakfast time. And, and, and uh, I, I love, as I shared with the children, a good, big, old-fashioned breakfast. I don't usually eat one. But when I get a chance to have eggs and grits and bacon and all the stuff on the table, I just get so excited. It's just, I get, can you all tell I didn't eat breakfast this morning? I'm lingering over the food. <laughs> But what I ordered came with grits, and I like grits. And so uh, when the waitress took my order in her Midwestern accent, she said after I ordered my grits, would you like uh, some brown sugar or cinnamon with your grits? And I said, no. I would not like any of that even close to my grits. And she looked at me as if I reacted over strongly, which I probably did, and she came back, you know, while we're still waiting on the food, and she came back and topped off the coffee and things. And I said, I need to ask you a question. Do people really put brown sugar and cinnamon in their grits? And she's like, most people do. I said, well, Western North Carolina's conceded territory, I guess, because I, 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 I've never in my life even occurred to me to sweeten or do anything. to my, Now, if you put sugar or something in your grits, I'm not making fun of you. I'm glad you eat grits. But I'm telling you, for me, Butter, salt, maybe cheese, leave them alone other than that. But to me, the most important thing in there is salt. You need the salt. The salt brings out the natural goodness that's in grits. So we've thought about salt and how some things are good, but they need salt to bring them out and make them better. Let's think about light. Because Jesus says you are salt, you are light. Think about light. If you're in a dark room, the lights are off. If you were to turn the light on, everything that you saw with the light on would still be in the room with the lights off. There's nothing in a dark room that's not in the same room with the lights on. It's just that you can't see the things that are in there. We might be worried about the dark. We might be afraid of the dark even. But the dark is nothing more than I mean, if we're in a dark room everything that's in there is there whether the light is on or off it's just we can't see it it's interesting to say tell this story on scout sunday but when i was a boy scout we took a camp one of our camping trips was to cumberland caverns in tennessee that's a network of caves where you can spend the night and it was anyway it was a great experience but one of the things they did the guide took us into this cavern this, this one, like, room, I guess. I don't know what you call a little room off of a big cave system, but it was uh, arched, almost like bank walls, almost like a perfect ball, so that um, even with the lights off, there was nothing to bump your head on or run into. And he said to us, I'm going to let you now experience absolute darkness. He said, because, and he brought to mind, and even I was probably 14 or 15 at the time, and this stuck with me all these years later. It's maybe the only time in my life I've ever experienced total darkness. Now, we've been in rooms that we haven't been able to see, but unless 
You are in absolutely no source of light that can sneak in around the frame of a door or through a window blind. It might be dark enough that in a room that you've been in somewhere that you can't see, but never have we, unless we are in an environment like that, are we totally in the absence of light. And so he turned the lights off and he stood in front of the opening so none of us accidentally ran out, I guess, and fell down a, a ravine or something. But, of course, a bunch of early teenage boys did what they were wont to do, which was start running just running, just running, 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 because they'd already been told they couldn't hurt themselves. A couple of them did. But they running, running, running. And the disorientation that that caused, knowing there were people around me and I wouldn't even know one was there unless he bumped into me. And then when he turned the light back on, this sort of feeling of, of, of disorientation, this feeling of discomfort, this it wasn't even fear. It was just like, this is not what a human being is supposed to experience. When the light came on, everybody was there. Everything was there. So light shows us what's in, what's around us, but light also leads us in the right way. You may have never been to Cumberland Caverns, but I bet you're far more likely to have been to the Stump House Tunnel outside of Clemson. That's where the university used to make their famous blue cheese dressing. But uh, now it's just a, it was a railroad tunnel that um, was started through the mountain there but never finished. And so you can walk. It's flat. It's straight. It's stone all the way around, and you can just walk through it. And it's an interesting thing. They never got all the way through the mountain, by the way. So it's, there's light from the tunnel entrance, but you're walking into darkness. The first time I ever visited this particular place, it was uh, my wife, Ellen, and our son, who was about 18 months old at the time. And we rightly brought a flashlight. And that was before everybody had a flashlight on their phone. But So we rightly brought a flashlight, but our 18-month-old decided he wanted to be in charge of the flashlight, which meant as we were walking into the tunnel, we still couldn't see very well. And we are tripping over the little rocks and things that are in the way because we couldn't see what was coming in the dark. But when we finally decided, when the 18-month-old decided he'd had enough of this particular tunnel, and we turned to leave, and we had our back to the darkness, and we were facing the opening of the tunnel, you could see everything. You could see everything. Now, we didn't need a flashlight. We didn't need anything. We just walked toward the light and emerged back into the day. Salt enhances light shows us what's there and directs us in the way we should go jesus here is using those speaking to us telling us we are salt telling us we are light and then he goes on to say that he did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it jesus tells us he did not come to stop what God was doing in the world or to replace it with something else, but to go ahead, to, to join what he was doing as a fulfillment of what God had already been doing in the world. And he's saying what's next is what he's saying. Jesus is saying what's next is about me. You are light. You are salt. Your job is not only, I'm offering relationship 
with God through me, Jesus says. He says, but I'm not just offering that to you. I'm offering that to the entire human race. And that's good news for everyone. That's good news for you and for me. He calls us to be the light that draws people to Christ, to himself. He calls us to be salt that brings things into being that were already there but that people couldn't detect. He's calling us to help join him in fulfilling what God is doing in the world. Jesus here talks about the law and the prophets. He says, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Now that's coded language that Jesus is using that his first hearers would understand that we might not. Jesus came and rightly criticized the law. Think of that phrase, the law. And when he says the law, he's talking about the rules that the Pharisees and other religious leaders had developed that people used as a yardstick of whether you were okay or not, whether you were righteous or not, that they used to exclude people from relationship with God. But when Jesus speaks about the law and the prophets as a phrase, he's talking about what we call the Old Testament. And when Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets, Jesus is saying that this record of what you have, what we call the Old Testament, which for them was just the Bible, of God's interaction with his people, I came to fulfill that. I came not only to fulfill that, but in fulfilling that, I came to extend that covenant relationship that God offers. I came to extend that offer of relationship with God to all and you are light and salt to help other people know that that relationship is for them too. And that might be hard to hear. That the creator of the universe is interested in you. If we're not careful, that sounds like delusion. It's a common delusion among some mental illnesses that people think that they are someone great in the years after the communist revolution in Russia. Young women across Europe were thinking they were the, and proclaiming that they were Anastasia, the princess who escaped the execution. After World War II, women in Europe were claiming to be Anne Frank who had somehow escaped the concentration camp. And they were people who were feeling some deficit in their life and felt like they needed to hook into something greater. People across history have claimed to be the secret children of kings or queens or important world leaders. The idea that somehow or another I'm just not good in and enough uh, for who I am and I have to connect to this something greater than myself. But the good news is Christians don't have to be delusional to do that. We have this offer through Jesus Christ to be sons and daughters of God. It's not a false sense of greatness at all. It's an offer to life-changing relationship. That offer is extended to you and to me. And in talking about our being salt and light... Jesus is saying, I call you to help extend that offer to other people. Because it's in opposition to what's going on around us. We live in a time when anger and outrage are promoted. We live in a time of political discord. 
We're encouraged to think in sound bites. We live in a time when the world around us tells us that everything is falling apart and the only people who can set it right are the people who agree with us. But Jesus offers another way. Jesus says there is a world where people can live in relationship, loving relationship with one another by living and living relationship with him. Jesus says you can be salt. You can be light. You can be distinctive. You can shed light on what's wrong around us as well as what's right around us. You can shed light on the good news of God's offer to relationship in Jesus Christ. You can be salt that takes the goodness that's deep down within each and every one of us and bring it to reality. We can be bringers of salt and be reflectors of light. All of that is from God. The goodness that I'm talking about comes from God. We merely reflect it. So another way to say you are salt or you are light for me is to say you're salt, but you're also a salt shaker. You are light, but you're also a mirror. You're here to bring and offer God's goodness to people who need it. That's an offer that God makes to us as individuals. That's an offer God makes us as a church. And I think, I think, that's another way to make real those words that are printed on the front of our bulletin. That our mission is to follow Jesus by loving God and loving neighbor. Will you pray with me? Eternal God, give us the strength to be salt and light to the world who needs our flavoring and our illuminating as we point people back to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask it all in his name. Amen.